Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. My guest today is Yelena Blank. Uh, She goes by Elaine. She's a clinical psychologist in the San Francisco Bay Area. She provides therapy uh, in Palo Alto and Mountain View, as well as online events in California. And literally nowadays with COVID-19 crap, it's uh, probably all online. She's uh, evidence-based practices combined with... uh, what she says is a warm, non-judgmental and collaborative approach to help you with sleep problems, like trauma, PTSD, depression, anxiety, which, as she mentioned offline, uh, a lot more people are experiencing. So, Elaine, thanks for coming. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, what got you into uh, working with people that have sleep issues in the first place? Uh, it was actually totally accidental at first. I graduated from college with a degree in psychology, but as anybody who has an undergraduate degree in psychology knows, there's not a whole lot you can actually do with that. In the- and so I took some time off, uh, two years off, just to figure out what I wanted to do with myself. And by sheer luck, got a job as a research assistant at the San Francisco Veterans Hospital, the VA, uh, working with vets who had uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and sleep issues and discovered that I was so fascinated by both those things, but the fact that sleep important and sleep were so prevalent, not just in PTSD, but in anybody we talked to. All mental health disorders, healthy folks who don't have any other diagnoses often had sleep. It was just something that I, as like a young 22-year-old, had never really thought about as particular because I hadn't had issues with it, and suddenly was super aware of like, yeah, this is a problem. Well, as they say, when you're young, you know, nothing bothers you. I remember for many years, you know, I would lay down. Next thing I know, I was waking up. Never woke yep. up, none of that stuff. And as you get older, you wake up to pee and you worry about things, like family and kids and all that stuff. And life gets different. You suddenly realize, I'm not 20 anymore. If I stay up half the night, my next day doesn't actually feel that great. Yeah, exactly. You can't just shake it off, have coffee or do whatever and you're fine. Yeah. Pretty much. What's the avatar of the people you work with? Is it surprising or is it, you know, your typical 40 plus person? Who are they? I tend to work with who are in the 20s primarily. Um, That's not necessarily like, oh, that's the only population I work with. But it just so happens where I am in the Bay Area, that's most of my population. Um, I end up working with a lot of folks in the tech industry. Uh, So I would say I'm about half and half. Uh, male and female, and a few uh, trans and non-binary folks. Um, mostly, like I said, late 20s, early things of outside that. I do work with some, someone. Oh, I'm surprised that they're uh, they're so young, but you think it's where you are? It's because you're in the San Francisco Bay Area that, you know, maybe the tech, there's so much tech that people are stressing out earlier? I think so. And I think, so part of it, I think, is negative in the sense that the who are working high-pressure job. Part of it, I think, is positive in that the big companies, Google, Facebook, Apple, uh, and other smaller in the area, are actually a good job of focusing on mental health care and able to seek to, and partnering with local companies that do, like, employee assistance programs for mental health and using that away. Within um, you, 
alternative treatment? Is it is it uh, is it like CBTI, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, or is it a different flavor? Like, what what does your uh, treatment look like? Yeah, so for issues, my primary is CBT. Uh, it's the gold standard for insomnia. It has a ton of research behind it, uh, which I love. The other thing I really love about it, it's not a set protocol, like you do this in session, do this in session, but it's a series of evidence-based modules where there's different strategies based on what specific issues my clients are presenting. Um, and then, so that's sleep-specific or really insomnia-specific. For everything else, I use CBT-based approaches, and then it just depends on what the exact issue with. Um, I also bring in uh, mindfulness. I also bring in pieces of something called ACT, acceptance therapy, which basically like very short version is, hey, you're dealing with tough things and struggling with them isn't helping for you. How can we work with you to accept that you can't change? And then identify what you So, okay, so insomnia I could see would be, I don't know, probably an overarching issue for a lot of people. What, what else is it about their sleep that um, is not insomnia that bothers them? It just wake up feeling not rested or like, you know, what do you hear from clients? How do they express their problem with sleep? Other than insomnia, the things I see are uh, something called circadian rhythm or like shift disorder. So not even necessarily for people who are working, but for folks who are maybe very much night owls, but are having to in time um, and having to the world that doesn't necessarily uh, adjust to their schedule. So having to wake up when they're not feeling rested, when their circadian rhythm is actually at a low instead of sending out those. Um, so I see some of that a fair bit. I see sleep apnea a fair bit, and that's not something that I can treat as far as the apnea itself, but something I work with on is helping them get using a CPAP machine, uh, adjust to like what things might look like with that troubleshoot in ways that medical providers don't necessarily have the time or expertise. So um, people that are night owls, uh, I've noticed that, you know, the whole world kind of makes moral judgments about uh, people that stay up late. Expressions like the early bird gets the worm, yep. um, early to rise, you know, makes a person wealthy and wise, etc. Do you find that people deal with that and that, that colors their perception? Do they feel like a bad person because they're a night owl, let's say? There's definitely the sense of, well, everyone, quote unquote, can get up at this time and I can't. What's wrong with and so part of what I do, even just in the initial session, you know, when I'm doing assessment, is try to provide some education around, hey, like, he's normal. Here are the distribution. You are an outlier when we look at a normal curve, but you are by far not the only one. And this is an actual part of how you're wired. It's not a moral judge of your chemistry. Well, do you think people come into you with that bias in their mind? Or do a lot of people that sleep those hours just think, well, that's just me? I think a fair bit of people with that bias where they're like, I really want to change, because, not because I personally think it would be better, but because the world is telling. Oh, okay. Is there a certain uh, degree of night owlness that uh, that really is a problem for people? Like how late is late? I think most of the problem comes from mismatch between the biological clock and world expect. So it's actually interesting being here in the tech world. For a lot of people, what might be a problem in another industry isn't a problem because there's more flexibility. So for example, somebody you know goes to bed normally around morning and gets up around nine to 10 in the morning, here is actually not a huge deal necessarily with flexible hours. But somebody who naturally in a bed at four or five in the morning and then waking up at like 1 p.m., that's going to be problematic because most companies, unless they're really working from home on their own, 
they're not going to be able to make that kind of uh, adjustment. The company isn't going to be able to. And the rest of the world doesn't function on that schedule. If you're somebody who's having a hard time getting up before, say, 1 p.m., well, you're missing out on a whole day of being able to, or a half day of being able to go to doctors at the bank, if you, et cetera. Well, what happens with people that are on that, you know, like ultra late schedule? Is there reasons that, you know, do they really get their best sleep doing that? Or is there something psychological going on? Their best sleep them is such that they're having of their wake signal much later on, you know, probably at 10 or 11 p.m. And so, or actually, if they're if they're going to bed at four, they're probably getting the wake of their signal at around two or three a.m. And so they really can't fall asleep for that. Um, we do do a lot of work on gradually shifting wake timer, which is the thing that helps shift their bedtime earlier. But it's something that they have to be very consistent with, and it tends to feel unpleasant. So it takes a lot of money to be able to. Any, um, I mean, what, anything changing recently? Not literally in the past, you know, week or so because of the damn virus, but, uh, you know, over the past year or so, do you see any new, uh, new things happening? The past year, I'd say I've definitely seen it, uh, people more ultra online. Obviously, like you said, in the past week, everything has gone online. But even before that, more people starting to shift towards that. And some of it has been by preference, uh, well, some of it has been by personal preference. Like, oh, this is convenient. Like, it's nice to be from my home or from an office room. I reserve. Some of it, I think, has been maybe a little bit less good in the sense that easier to then of the day. But it also means that they're maybe prioritizing busyness over self-care. And what about now? What do you think the, uh, the fallout from the virus, you know, quarantine type stuff will be? Like, uh, how are people reacting to you right now? And what do you think they'll be reacting like? In a few months, hopefully, when this all is over. Yeah. So, of course, this past week, we've all been in position. And I would say that 95% of my session focused on helping folks figure out what it's like now. Because if you don't have a good routine, that's not good for that's not good for depression if that's what they're struggling. It's often not good for anxiety because there's not predictability in your schedule, day-to-day life. And so people are just having such an uptick of symptoms right now around that. Um, it's hard to tell what's going to happen in the long run. But one of the things I've been to a lot of my clients about is how can we all time as potentially of, hey, here are things now that maybe don't work as well, but also here are things now that might be better. For. Can you identify those things, hold on to them? and then try to carry them over into reality when we go back to normal. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, in, in a way, if we think about it right, hopefully, for some people, it could be a, uh, a time of reflection, just like maybe over the Christmas holidays, where you have, you know, a few days or a week to, uh, you know, make your plans for the coming year. Well, mm-hmm. maybe this can be like that for people, and they can think and make their plans going forward on how they can improve stuff. And You know, was this really necessary, et cetera, how to... Uh, adjust and make things better. Exactly. And right now there's this very enforced change, but one of the potential upsides of that is it shifts you out of what you do that maybe well enough, but wasn't necessarily and gives you the opportunity to ask, Hey, would this be better if I change? Yeah, it makes sense. So what, um, I don't know, are there new ideas that have come to you with your therapies that you're going to be doing things in a, in a different way? And what's, what do you think will be most helpful to your your people at this moment? I think I'm going, well, after all this is over, I think I'm going to online therapy than I have been. Um, like I said, I've been doing it already, but I've been a part of it. And now that I'm getting more comfortable with it as, you know, 100% of my caseload right now, I actually think that that's something more proactively offered to clients as well. Um, 
I also think that people are going to become aware of sleep as a health because right now, you know, that's one of the things that's been interesting is people have actually, a lot of my folks have been able to get more sleep because they're not commuting, say, or their jobs aren't expecting them to be on quite as tight a schedule. And so they're suddenly seeing, oh, hey, I feel a fair bit better despite all of this anxiety because I've been able to get that extra hour of sleep. And so I'm predicting that that's something I'm going to bring on even with folks who are not specifically presenting direct. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder, I guess in some places, the average person may save a couple of hours of commuting. So that would be a big boon to them. sleep in later. You know, maybe roll out of bed and a second later be on the computer at work <laughs> yeah. with no commute. So hopefully it's a good thing. You know, there's always two sides to every coin. So hopefully there's, uh, there's a lot of good things that you can point out to people or they'll point out to you and, uh, you know, improve what's going on. And I've joked in the past that sometimes the side effect of insomnia treatment is people change situation, not because I'm specifically pushing them to, but because when we talk about things like sleep opportunity, they suddenly discover with my life the way it is right now, there's no way I can get enough sleep. Oh, really? People tell you that? Like, I don't know, they, they feel like their life is out of control to the point where they just can't get enough sleep? Well, it's certainly an area that a lot of people have. And sometimes mm. when we start breaking that down, it's like, oh yeah, there's, in your schedule, there is no given the commute to actually allow more time for sleep. Wait, that's terrible. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this. Mission. And yet, housing and prices, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. Hmm. Um, uh, I guess one or two more questions. You said you uh, were doing very few online consults, and it sounds like you didn't really prefer to do them. Why? What, what is it about? What did you feel was missing from online consults? I think the thing that's hard about them is the body language. Because, I mean, video video is much better than... But even with video, you're still only seeing part of the, their face and not confirmation. It's also the case that then you're potentially battling with technology. You know, mm. we've, I have a system that works pretty well and that has worked pretty well, but it's still dependent on the internet working. And I've had random times where my internet has just for explainable room stopped or clients have had times where their internet got over. And so you're spending some of the session monitoring the technology rather than actually person. That's true. That, That said, I think the benefits of it in many times can outweigh the cost. And I think that's what I'm noticing right now where it's like, yeah, it's harder in these ways, but it's so much better than not having anything at all. And for some of my clients, it really does make it more accessible. And so I think I'll be into that. Hmm. Okay. Any tricks of the trade that you can learn about, you know, online sessions to make them more effective? Mm, that's a good, I think, well, for me, the things that I've been noticing over this week, making sure that I have, first of all, like a really comfortable desk um, oh. and also something that I can look at that isn't just the camera so I keep my notes on the side because you know when you're in the face-to-face with a person you're not constantly staring at their eyes you're sort of there's other stimuli <laughs> but on the computer you're it becomes not. Yeah. weird thing right yeah you'd be a little bit creepy we're directly staring at their eyes the whole time oh, yeah. so having like my note app on the side of the screen kind of helps me go back and forth and regulate some of that. Okay. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Wait, are you able, I mean, what about setting up maybe like an extra camera and maybe you have like, I don't know, uh, another thing, you know, you can tell the person to sit on something or I don't know, you can move to another location and you sit somewhere else and, you know, you move around during the, the 
consult someone, maybe that would help. Yeah, being able to, like, shift a little bit instead of being frozen in front of the camera. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Well, the other thing that's actually been really fun about doing this past week is most of my clients are at home, you know, because of the shelter and that we're under. Uh, so I've been getting to most pets. Oh. <laughs> that's been really cute. There's been, like, puppies and cats just popping into the picture, and that's kind of charming. How have people been uh, responding to the shelter in place? Are they listening? Are they going out for food? Like, what are they uh, What are they doing? My folks have been very conscientious about it. So, like, not really leaving the house except from the grocery, even there trying to, if possible, going on walks for exercise, but make sure to stay far away from people. So really everybody here, at least the folks that I've spoken with, are in her down. Mm. All right. Well, very good. What's the best way, you know, now that you're doing virtual work, I mean, pretty much anyone can uh, can see you. What, what does that look like? Is it uh, like a fixed number of sessions or what's your recommendation? And what people, uh, well, so let me actually start over. I don't do a fixed number of sessions. really hard to predict ahead of time what that looks like. Um, mm. Insomnia specific to 10 state sessions. Uh, if folks are having other anxiety, et cetera, that can longer uh, PT trauma, a lot more complexity thereof. Um, for me, I tend to actually people every other week. I find that that's more helpful. It gives us more time for them to make our session and to really get into new patterns because that's with CBT or insomnia and patterns. Um, with folks more of them like that, I tend to see them if it's feasible schedule. Yeah. Um, and then from a logistics standpoint, I can only see clients who are California because I'm licensed in California. So even though the online thing, you know, can be accessible to anybody, the laws around that haven't caught up yet. I think they would in the next, I would say, probably two to five years, but they're not quite. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, very good. What's the best way for people to get in touch? Uh, you have a website address or what should they do? Yeah, the website is the easiest. All my contact information are there. Uh, my website is yelenablancpg.com. Um, I think you guys have that. So. Right, it's Y-E-L-E-N-A and Blanc or Blank, I guess if you say it crudely. <laughs> yep. Blancphd.com. Well, very good. Well, Elena, thanks for coming. It's been, uh, it's been a good call and I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to talk to you. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.